family, her immediate family, all the brothers and sisters and, and mom, we get together every year and a half for a little reunion. <laughs> so one year is like at a lake, and then a year and a half later we meet for skiing, and then a year okay. and a half later we meet at a lake. So it kind of hits the different seasons. So we just came back from one, it's a family reunion, and we and the lake house we had was sold out from under us. We had it rented, but it was on the market, so sold. So we had to scramble to find a place. So we find this $1.6 million mansion that we oh, were able nice. to, to rent in, uh, up in Oklahoma. And so it's, it's called The Columns, and it's real ornate. And it's kind of like an insight into how the other people, you know, the, the, the <laughs> rich, rich and famous, famous live. Because it's just this giant seven-bedroom home, you know, four and a half baths. It's got a private pool, a pond, you know, all this stuff. And it's, it's real ornate. And so we're, yeah. we're there, and it was fun because there was like 23 of us. So it was great because they have all kinds of rooms. That's cool. But what's so funny is it's this great-looking place. But when I get home, because I spend a lot of time fishing, and then we played bocce ball some in the yard right mm-hmm. beside it. And when I get home, I have over 100 chigger bites on my legs. <laughs> so it's like we go to luxury that's awesome and i end up getting infested by these little bitty bugs and i've just been scratching like nothing since so the grass is not always which makes me think sometimes in marriage and in life we portray things are all luxurious and great but deep down there's major little issues going on oh see now i would look at that and think we look at other people and think they've got it all perfect in their little mansion right but they still got got bugs going on so this is sexy marriage radio with dr Coriel and gina paris well we're glad you've joined us yes we are and if you listen and like what you hear please jump on itunes give us a review Um, give us a comment that helps spread the word and i love reading feedback from people and also if you want to just bring up an idea for a show or get our take on something or even just say hey i love you guys you're the best thing since sliced bread i don't know what that statement <laughs> is you send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com that's awesome we we get so much great feedback and we so appreciate that and once in a while somebody will say we are too religious and you know i think that apart from a faith in god or something bigger than ourselves it's pretty hard to uh, take the stand that we're taking. So I guess we're going to keep doing it, keep believing that all things are possible with God. Mm -hmm. So, man, we appreciate you that resonate with that. And, boy, we love you guys that don't, too. If you you can stand it, we we love you. Right, because we are big proponents that married sex is where it's at. That's that's the best place to have sex. Um, It's blessed. It's sacred. But it's also where you're building something greatness of greatness. I mean, that, that's really the, the crux of what we want to get across. And if you think of what's out there in the sexuality category of the world, it's pretty much anything goes. And I think there's a majority of people that don't believe that. You know, whether right. you add a religious connotation to it or not, there's still those, I want my marriage relationship to be great. And that's what Sexy Marriage Radio is all about. Which brings me to the idea of what are some of the things that trip us up, which is really mm-hmm. what we do with various shows. 
Right. And, and we get into these things of, you know, what are you really afraid of? Exactly. When it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your sex life, when it comes to different things that you do in your life. I mean, there's there's some things that are kind of scary. Exactly. <laughs> but but when it comes to marriage, what are you afraid of? Yeah. So what would you say? I mean, out of all the emails we get, Gina, out of out of your experience, mm-hmm. I'll share some of mine because you know we're very transparent on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be things that uh, that a person that's been married a while, or even just going into marriage, you know, what are some of the things they're afraid of? Um, I know in my marriage starting out, I had to really overcome a fear that Paul would be unfaithful because he came from a line of unfaithful, you know, it's like, Oh no, I didn't, I didn't know until after I married him. Like, Oh my gosh. So that could have played into stuff. Thankfully I made. That's very common. You know, that's that's a real common. I'm going to get, I'm going to be cheated on. Yeah. So it's interesting how embracing a fear or yielding to a fear like that. I am convinced it opens the door for all kinds of torment and and for it to be a self-fulfilling kind of a belief. Yeah, I think it does. And and that's let me add one little caveat because I have this happen a lot in my practice with couples mm-hmm. that um they come because there's been infidelity. Right. And so an obvious fear going forward if you're trying to repair the relationship is how do I know it's not going to happen again? And Yeah. That's true. How do you know? <laughs> so. Well, I think then the, a great question to ask is what's the deeper fear? Okay. You know, are you afraid, well, he's going to make a fool of me? Well, can someone else really make a fool of you? You know, well, I, I'm going to be taken advantage of. Really? Uh, I'm going to be completely, totally humiliated. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm afraid of. So I would say, you know, ask yourself the deeper and deeper fear. Well, mm-hmm. what's so bad about that? What's so bad about that? And you'll probably find out you're just so into this self-preservation mm-hmm. that if you can rise up above that and say, I know I can't control somebody else. Right. But guess what? When you choose to be the lover, you're the one in control. Right. So the, it's it's a huge question to ask because... Where there's fear, there's all kinds of torment. Yeah, and I add to the idea of uh, how do I know it's not going to happen again? And so typically if you respond or react to that fear, you you become hyper vigilant to make mm-hmm. sure nothing, you know, you're constantly checking things, you're constantly checking up on things, you're going on the internet and researching, you know, checking phone records, all that kind of stuff. And it's and you just live, it's consuming. You know, it that, is. That and, fear just and, eats you up and... I tell people, especially the betrayed spouse, that one of the things 100% I know you can rest on is the fact that we as human beings are just stupid when it comes down to keeping secrets. We cannot keep things hidden. It comes out somehow. I mean, it, so there's no need to be constantly sleuthing. Right. It's, it's one of those, okay, don't snoop so much. Don't be so hypersensitive. <laughs> but... Trust your gut, trust mm-hmm. your intuitions, trust your feelings, because every single couple, and this probably isn't true within the world, but in the mm-hmm. couples I've worked with where there has been a betrayal, every single couple, when they really start to unpack it, is able to look back and go, yeah, um, I had a suspicion, but I wouldn't, right. I didn't want to go there. You know, I didn't, right. it, it couldn't be me. It, it, you know, it wouldn't happen, you know, and you just discount it. 
but well, trust your gut and ask the appropriate questions, be honest, be upfront. And, and that's how you can, in a sense, feel that fear and, mm-hmm. and bust through it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, two things. If, number one, if there's some kind of an affair, it doesn't mean it's the end of your marriage. It right. might be the end of that current marriage that led up to an affair. But you can rebuild a whole new marriage. Right. You know, or number two, if that spouse is bent on leaving, you can still survive and you can still have a great life and you can still be full of love and, and love again. Yeah. So there's a way to rise above the fear. Yeah. And and I think that the fear that's underneath it based on your question of what's underneath that, I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be, is I would say a, a, a lot of humans have this fear of, I'm going to be abandoned. I'm going to end up alone. Yeah. And that's a legit thing, and I think that comes from from childhood. You know, we have this, I'm just trying to fit. I'm trying to be noticed. I'm trying to get the attention or the affection or the love or whatever from my family unit. And, mm-hmm. and so we go all kinds of different crazy ways to get it. And that just, we, per, we perpetuate that and carry it into our marriage. That how do, I, how do I not be abandoned in this marriage? How do, yeah, I, not, that's really how do I not leave me? And yes, that's a tough one. It is. Sometimes I just rest on that scripture that says, even if a father or mother would forsake you, the Lord says, I'll never forsake you. Right. So then you can say, all right, then uh, whatever, whatever happens is we're in the process of moving cities, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I said to Paul, I'm, I've been lonely in this town. We have not for whatever reason, really connected with our own circle of friends in nine, ten, almost, you know, nine years here, which is so unfortunate. And abandonment struck me even early this morning as I was laying in bed, that whole word. Thought, mm-hmm. Wow, that's weird. You know, that I, I don't know where that is inside of me somehow, because it doesn't really affect my marriage as much as my relationships outside right. my family. And so I maybe put too much emphasis on my family and then we're all kind of like this isolated little family. So that's a huge issue, you know, build, build relationship, invest, invest in those that you have. I mean, you have friends you talk about that you've done stuff with for decades. Oh man, that's really awesome. Yeah. And, and so that, that's, that's my thought of how you combat that fear of being abandoned is you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, you, know, you don't good. put it all on your spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, you we have multiple types of needs and wants and desires in life, right? And our right. spouse is not intended to fulfill them all. See, that's really true. So find good friends, find mm-hmm. other couple friends, find same gender friends mm-hmm. to go do things with. Find other circles of of groups of people you can be a part of and do life with. So that you take some pressure off your spouse and you take some pressure off of that, I'm going to be abandoned. Because if one thing happens in your mm-hmm. marriage by choice or by tragedy, you have other people that can step in and, and support you and help you and be there with you through it all. I mean, I think of early on when I was in the ministry, um, early on one of the families, um, a, a, a father lost his wife and his son. And then his other son was involved in the accident, too, and ended up with some brain damage and had some major life issues. 
But I, I, you know, I had left this one church. That's where it happened. But I and I'd already moved to a different church, so it was years later. So I come back to see the family and be with them. And that father, that husband, I see him at the hospital, you know, because he was there checking on his son. And it was like a day later. So the shock is starting to wear off. It's starting to sink in of what's really happened in his world. And he has a friend that had not left his side since they got the news and wasn't going to leave his side until another day later. And then they had another good friend that was going to be in town by then, and he was going to take it. So it was just they were just tag teaming. We're not leaving you alone, you know, during this major deal. And that's, I mean, that's love. I mean, that's support. That's care. And, you know, we want that from our spouse, but, man, we can get it from other people, too. Yeah, and those kind of relationships, they they take nurturing and they yeah. take being vulnerable and they, they take uh, making a decision. I'm here with you to do life with you. Right. That's so huge. We talk about that, you know, being friends with people who are champions of marriage or who are just champions of you and, and who will be there for you. Right. That's really something. And for guys, that takes time. <laughs> I mean, right. It's, it's hard. I mean, it seems like your your gender, Gina, is a little more adept at creating yeah. some of those relationships that can go deeper faster. Yeah. Where with guys, you know, we need typically that time to to share having a shared experience, uh, do some competitive stuff together. <laughs> Um, you know, live life and, and do some of those things that it's not just talking. It's not, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult for a guy, you know, it, it, I'll personalize that. It's difficult for me if I was to meet some new guy that, you know, some circle of influence that yeah. I've got and it's like, Hey, let's meet for coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That means I've got to sit and talk with this dude. I don't know, <laughs> I know. for a while. Uh, I would much rather, Hey, you play golf? Exactly. Let's go spend four hours, you know, and we'll, we'll talk as much. In those four hours, as we would in a twenty-minute coffee conversation, but there's not as much pressure because I can just we can play golf together, and then, then we just get this little conversations that start, and that's what starts to create it. So it is, it, it does take. I like the word; it's an intentionality to it, though. Yeah, that it is a. Yeah. I'm going to desperately seek it, and and see what I can discover. Yeah, and what that's something that I do think can happen really well at church, and sometimes the best ways that those will happen in in community or in a civic group or something, or when you're working on projects together, you're yeah. building a house for Habitat for Humanity, or you're weekly doing some kind of outreach. Those yeah. will become some of your best friends. Yeah. So, so a fear of being abandoned plays into how we approach our mate on every level, right. emotionally, sexually. Physically, you know, if we have fear, we're not going to be intimate. We talk about fear of intimacy, right? But there's fear of intimacy is not its own fear. It's a it's a blanket fear. I think right. of a lot of a lot of deeper issues. And what's interesting to me is the idea of fear of intimacy. Is I think that's something most everybody craves. But, intimacy, right? Uh, uh, exactly. Just that deeper connection. That yeah. I, I don't want to feel alone in this world. Um, I want to experience another person's essence and presence, but every single one of us also has a threshold of intimacy that we strive for it. We strive for it. We strive for it. But then we reach that point of, okay, now it's too close. Get away from me. (laughs) Or (laughs) you've been around me me for too long. Get away, you know, (laughs) or, or sex is over. Stop cuddling. Or, you know, (laughs) there's those things that, 
that that just we become victims of our own discomfort involved with the intimate feelings that it's like okay i i, I too much closeness now it's too much togetherness get away and so i need my own space and that's the dance exactly that push and pull between the need for intimacy and the need for autonomy or space right so that's really cool i think people fear um what a lot of the emails that come to us, you know, where people are just feeling so trapped, they have this fear, I'm never going to get my needs met. Okay. That's a big fear. That is. And it, then it plays into all of this self um, pity, really. Right. And so then, you know, well, how long am I supposed to stay in this situation? What am I supposed to do? Again, we, we get these really angry emails from people who are denied sexually or denied emotionally. And that is a huge, huge issue. At least if you can ask, what's your biggest fear here? And recognize it, then you will be less motivated to do stuff that's incongruent with what you really want to be and do and have. Right, because the more and more we're our fear determines or dictates our actions, the more and more needy it seems to come across. That's exactly right. It comes across. It's that whole, you know, <laughs> I think of my wife constantly harasses me with this every so often because as I've had, constantly as I've, ever as, so often. As, 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 well, she brings it up. <laughs> thank you for the vernacular change. Um, but she brings it up on, because in what I've been teaching at times, I'll say this whole, we want to be wanted, but we settle and we settle for being needed. And whenever the, it comes across, I need you. To me, that just makes my skin crawl because needy is leechy mm -hmm. to me. It's yeah. that I cannot get away from that. It's that, right. it's that infant where you're stuck in the fog as a parent and you can't leave because their survival is dependent on you. But as that person, like in my daughter's case, as she grows and gets to where, Daddy, can I sit in your lap? You know, I want to sit in your lap. That's a different ball game. Then that's all mm -hmm. of a sudden. Ooh, I like this. You know, yeah, because because it's a want. It's a it's a it's a more deep a deeper desire or want rather than this. I need you, and I don't even know how to express that need. So I come across in really bad, subtle, manipulative ways to try to get what I want. And what I need, and so it's you know needs and wants. That's a that's a big deal. In marriage. it is a big deal because if you feel oh you're needy, then you start pouting. It's all <laughs> the whole very childish thing. When exactly. I was a child, I thought like a child, yep. I behaved like a child. But when I became an adult, I put these childish ways behind me. So when you look at somebody having a midlife crisis, it is a huge you know, jump back into this needy, childish, self-centered place. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great way to frame it because we kind of revert back to childishness whenever we're coming at it from a, the worst in us or the neediness in us. Yeah, I, I caught myself the other day. I can picture right where I was on the interstate and I was throwing a, a little tantrum to myself. You know, it's like we have a we have our highest self and we have a very selfish self. I don't know. And I was I just caught myself just mad at Paul and and iterating to myself that I need somebody who appreciates this and this and I deserve something. And 
so my rational self said, good, great, listen to you. You are, what is wrong with you? There's nothing but your proud, selfish flesh throwing a tantrum. Yeah. And I thought, oh God, you have to help me. Because my emotions were so high that I couldn't, I couldn't kind of just rein them in. And, you know, it's so funny because when you're in the middle of this negative energy, you think your story is so true. Right. And so then by the time I dealt with it and got home and Paul got over whatever he was so annoyed with, oh, it was because we looked at a house and he hated it and was okay. really short with me. And I loved the house. So it triggered all this. And, you know, the next day when he was his sweet self again, it was like, I don't know, like scales fall off your eyes or something and you see clearly and think, wow. Was I under some kind of spell or was I, was I, you know, being mesmerized by a serpent? It was just crazy. The emotionally reactive spell. Yeah. So when you find yourself just, I deserve better and, and man, ask yourself, what are you afraid of? What, yeah. why are, why, what kind of thing are you trying to self-preserve? Because ultimately, if you are trying to seek your own life, Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, mm -hmm. but the one who will lose his life will save it. That's the paradox of, of uh, the master. You know, yeah. people are like, I'm not, if I, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Yeah. But maybe if you're willing to lose your life, you might find it. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's, that's kind of the counsel we give uh, in marriage life stuff. Mm -hmm. that if you're, if you can live in the point where you're willing to lose your marriage, you actually gain a greater marriage. As exactly. oxymoronic as that sounds. Exactly. And if you're willing to lose, like everyone's, I don't know who I am anymore. I've lost myself. Well, guess what? Perhaps if you're willing to, in a place of strength and choice, serve the other person, you'll find a whole life that you never knew. Right. And that's that serving with no strings attached. That's that. <laughs> unattachment to the outcome that's that the stuff that we use a lot in sexy marriage radio shows yeah and it, yeah and it's true that it's, it is it's, true it's the more i was reading it this way in a, a everyday zen book i found and it was it's the the philosophy was though it's it's not a creating it's a creating of a no self yeah. Is what it, and, and in Christian terms, it's a losing of self. It's a dying to self. Yeah, because if you lose the fear of death, and you ha gain all the power. Right. And so, so that, that opens the door to love. That opens the door to care and compassion. And, and intimacy and even eroticism and everything. So there you go. Come on, listeners. I know that was kind of up there. So let us know what you think at sexymarriageradio.com and you can find our feedback line and join the conversation. <laughs>